1: Hey guys, Ethan here, and I'm very excited because today we're talking about Carriers. In this chilling adaptation of Stephen King's horror novel, Withdrawn and Sensitive Teen, Carriers White faces taunting from classmates at school and abuse from her fanatically pious mother at home. When strange occurrences start happening around Carriers, she begins- What? You're talking about Carrie. Oh, that's Carrie? Right, that's a Stephen King movie. We're talking about Carriers on the show. Got it, okay. No, then I watched the wrong thing. Right, so maybe if you could just watch Carriers instead. Which is what? It's about a virus, it has Chris Pine. Chris Pine? Yeah. Okay, love him. Yeah, it's a good movie, and we've got great guests, so it should be a great show. And answer me this, why am I still talking in the big trailer guy voice and not my real voice? I guess because I didn't really put on like a different character voice or a producer voice, so instead of me talking to me, Which would be confusing, you're just continuing You see what I'm saying? Let's just get to the show, I'm embarrassed by you I'm embarrassed to be you, friggin' jerk You're a ding-dong Low life Fish breath Scumbag Ugly butt Potty brain Duck poop Toilet face Okay, enough, I'm sorry, I love you Love you too, I'm sorry, let's get to the show Bad science Did the movie get it right? Bad science Or will we have to fight? Sorry. Sorry. Hi everybody, welcome to Bad Science. This is the show where we break down the science of a film with a comedian and a scientist. I'm Ethan Edinburgh, your host, and today we're talking about Carriers, the horror thriller movie from 2009, which is basically about what we're going through right now. A pandemic has killed a bunch of different people, but luckily for us, not Chris Pine, who uh, <laughs> is not only a hot, hot man, but our sort of leader, I guess, kind of like a crappy leader. Anyways, we're going to break down this movie uh, in in all manners with two amazing guests. First of all, she's a comedian, and actor. Actress and she has a podcast called Emily Knows Everything. She's Emily Hagen. Hello, everybody. Emily, you're here this time.
2: Yeah, sorry. that We had some technical difficulties, but I'm going to go.
1: Yeah, I was bragging on you after you left because it was like, the only thing that I said about you is your podcast called Emily Knows Everything, and you can't get your internet to work. But obviously, this has happened to us many times. It's totally not on you at all.
2: Well, Ethan, obviously, my name's ironic. The real expert is our next guest.
1: Yes, you're right. Wow, you're helping me transition (laughs) through the podcast. This is incredible. Can you be my co-host forever?
2: I'm just pass the torch.
1: Okay, thanks. Yeah, Um, she... Our next guest is a postdoctoral fellow at the Center for Cognitive Neuroscience at UCLA, Dr. Pamela Douglas. Hello. Hello, Dr. Douglas. Or would you prefer Dr. Pamela Douglas every time that I refer uh, to you?
0: You can just call me Pamela, but I, I would like to correct you. I, I'm I'm actually, I've been an assistant professor for four years. So. Wow. Well,
1: whoever <laughs> gave me my info is fired. And yes, I gave myself my own info.
0: <laughs> I wish I was still a postdoc. That was the most delightful time of my life, truly.
1: Oh, man. All right. Well, Assistant Professor Dr. Pamela Douglas, thank you for joining us. Now, before we get into the movie and all of this pandemic joy that we're going to discuss, your current work, and maybe this is completely wrong, because the other information I had was wrong, but I heard that it involves the data mining of ADHD 200 data set. Does that...
0: Ring a bell? Does that make any sense? Yes, that was a a fun project.
1: Was that also four years ago? Am I stuck in the past? Uh,
0: Yeah, a little bit. So I definitely have used artificial intelligence algorithms to do all kinds of predictions based on human EEG data, functional MRI data, to predict things like religiosity. That was during my PhD in collaboration with Sam Harris and Mark Cohen. But more recently, I've really become interested in explainable artificial intelligence. So if we use these deep learning neural network algorithms as a model for computation in the human brain, which that's become this very popular new technique in um, computational cognitive neuroscience recently. So the question is how do we really understand what these algorithms are doing? And there's a lot of reasons why that's important. So that's my recent work. Wow,
1: (laughs) okay, unbelievable. What's the, the class that you're assistant professing and, and I can use professing as a verb, right? That makes sense?
0: Sure. Yeah, I like it. Okay. I profess uh, <laughs> a class called Modeling Neuronal Systems. So it's a bit about computational neuroscience and then a bit about deep learning neural networks. And then the third part is about brain computational models, how we can use artificial intelligence algorithms to help us explore neuroscience and vice versa, how aspects of neuroscience can help inspire mm-hmm. new algorithms. So, yeah that's fun.
1: Wow, amazing. And related to this topic, I saw uh, something you published in 2009 that was preparing for pandemic influenza and its aftermath, Wow! mental health issues considered. Yes. So can you tell me how that came about and um, how you're a prophet? Um, Mm
0: -hmm. Sure. That came about over um, just the typical sort of morbid Thanksgiving Day family conversation. <laughs> Basically, everybody in my family has mul- multiple PhDs and MDs. And we talked about pa- pandemic flu. And then we just wow. decided to write a paper together.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Was that chaos? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> that
2: was the same year as the Carriers film came out, right?
1: Yeah, that's What correct. came first? Well, technically, Carriers came first because apparently they filmed it like two years prior or something, three years prior, and then released it to try and right. uh, yeah, get more uh, viewers from yeah. Star Trek. Uh, which I don't know if that worked. Maybe it worked. Let's just talk about Star Trek. Um, No, I'm kidding. So did you guys see Carriers prior to this podcast? I had not seen this movie before. No. In fact, I
2: watched it during the earthquake, the 3.7 earthquake that hit.
1: Yeah, that was very scary. It was
2: right during the shootout scene when Chris Pine got out of the car and started shooting those two old women that want to give him gasoline. Yeah. And I was very confused. We were like in a theater that had all of those like sound and visual effects, but then my boyfriend was like, no, we just had an earthquake. So it really added to the movie.
1: Wow. Okay. So yeah, for you, it's like even better. Like hopefully more earthquakes happen while you're watching movies to really engulf you in the suspense.
2: Especially Chris Pine's in them.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, is there somebody hotter than Chris Pine? That's a scientific question.
2: I thought that was why we were here today was to talk about it. And then my boyfriend during the movie was saying that my brother reminds him of Chris Pine. And now I cannot unsee that.
1: Oh my God. I'm so sorry.
2: And of course, I told my mom and she's like, your brother's much better looking than Chris Pine. I was like, oh my God, you're such a mom.
1: <laughs> what um what did you think of the movie?
0: I thought it was strangely, very, very realistic actually, and incredibly scary. Yeah, I am currently at my family's cabin. In the middle of nowhere at 12,000 feet altitude. Whoa. And I normally am not afraid because there's just woods for miles and miles and miles. But uh, I just got a little bit scared watching this movie. It was a lot of aspects were very realistic. They had the N95 masks, so many different aspects of the euthanasia I thought were probably fairly realistic.
1: Sure. What aspect of it scared you um, because you're in the mountains?
0: I don't know where they actually shot the movie, but it looks like colorado where i am so it's, it just felt a little close to home
1: oh, okay uh emily what do you think you have a good time
2: yeah i thought it was um it, i thought it was less about the virus and more about like human behavior and how it made me really question like if the people in my life would betray me in a time like that and my answer was yes <laughs> I was also, I also thought it looked like all the people that were infected looked like vampire facials gone wrong. I don't know if you're familiar with that vampire facial. No. Uh, The Kardashian branded it. It's where like they take blood from different parts of your body and they inject it into your face.
1: Holy crap. And
2: you look like, you basically end up looking like how that zombie looked for a few hours, but then your skin rejuvenates and then you look like a Kardashian again. But I don't know if Pamela, if you've ever gotten a vampire facial, but if you guys are listening at home, Google it and you'll see that the zombies looked exactly like the movie. But yeah,
1: I thought a lot
2: of weird elements that were definitely realistic as to what's going on.
1: Can I give myself a vampire facial here? Because I'm quarantined and I really want one. So, is there a way that I can, you know, no, take some blood so, from my foot so or something? Dang,
2: they're so dangerous. Someone um, contracted HIV from a, va- a vampire facial, so they were like the most controversial skincare procedure of the wow. Whole decade.
1: Wow. Wow. Okay. By uh, the way,
2: that was not a fact.
1: Uh, no, that's a fact. <laughs> if you say it on the podcast, it's a fact. That's how I'm treating everything now. <laughs> um, you brought up Pamela the the masks that they wore, and I was looking that up because, you know, obviously there's like everybody's talking about masks now for our own reasons, um, and I was reading that they. Were wearing like construction masks, like dust masks that actually would not prevent airborne mm. viral bacterial agents. So, is that true, or or because you said they were the legit masks?
0: Actually, I'm not sure about that. It, they looked like the legitimate masks. Okay, so I actually have the five masks.
2: They have like a little square thing in the middle. These ones were the dust masks.
1: Oh. Ah, okay, so similar enough.
2: I, I have a dust allergy, so I used to have those dust masks. But what I noticed, and I don't know if you guys noticed none of the people were wearing the masks when they needed it the most. Like when they would go into the buildings, they had their masks like around their neck. Did you notice that? Yeah. Their masks were worn at the wrong times, I felt like. I don't know if that was just like bad directing or what.
1: Pamela, did that strike you? Did you feel like they were only wearing the masks uh, during? Because I felt like they would put on the mask when they were close to somebody else who was infected. That was like the only time.
2: I noticed they didn't have the masks when they were entering abandoned buildings. Very,
0: very interesting. I don't know. I mean, the I don't know if you saw even the trailer. The trailer was very fascinating to me because it actually, I know this movie's, I guess, 11 years old, but you're saying it's more like 13 years old. It just seems so retro to me. Mm. It starts off and it has this map, you know, and they, they use the classic heat map colors that are standard to move. Mm-hmm. So the virus is always orange or red against the, the blue background. And then the whole world gets taken over in five days. And, and it starts off and it's first we had the plague. Then we had... You know the Spanish influenza. Now we have this avian flu. I, <laughs> that style of trailer just seemed incredibly retro to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the movie starts off, you're just right in the middle of it, and there's really no explanation, like why are these people alive when everybody else seems to be dead?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, I I do think um, piggybacking on what Emily said, it is way more about the like interpersonal relationships than the virus or like society. Um, a lot of those questions just never got asked, never got answered. Um, and I, I guess we're just not supposed to care about it. I don't know. Um, I mean, like,
2: literally I was watching it and I was like, who's I didn't even know that they were brothers until like midway through the movie. I don't know if I just (laughs) missed something, but it was hard for me to figure out the dynamic of who was who in the car.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't, I don't know where I picked that up, but I think they said at some point, my biggest issue with the movie and, and Dr. Pamela, you tell me if I'm wrong here, but I looked up just the word carriers, uh, of any disease are not affected by the disease themselves, that they just are the people that transmit it to others, but don't suffer from the effects. So to me, it just seemed like, well, the name in and of itself is not like Mm. none of these people are carriers in the movie.
0: That's true. Oh, although Chris Pine kind of thinks he. he And so it's unclear if he's one of those people that is asymptomatic, yet potentially carries antibodies, but doesn't actually display the symptoms of the disease. But that is a so
1: good So it should one. be called, might be a carrier.
0: It might be a carrier.
1: <laughs> I think I'm a carrier. I was
2: kind of like, yeah, I didn't think Chris Pine had much chemistry with that girl. So I didn't really blame him for kicking her out of the car. <laughs> i just like, acting my own, like wanting to be in the car with Chris Pine virus or not. But I was like, yeah, I didn't really feel their connection. So it kind of made sense. to just like left her to the wayside.
1: I was kind of shocked by it just because... They put that, like, partition up, and I do want to ask, Pamela, if you think that partition would protect you, and are people doing that now, like, in their homes, if they think somebody's sick, or in hospitals with that, I don't even know what they use there, but they use this partition when they, like, encounter a a dad and his daughter who's very clearly sick, she has blood all over her mask, couldn't even... (laughs) <laughs> clean the GD mask. Anyways, they put this partition up and it's like, okay, well, that's cool. You can travel with this for a bit. But as soon as he finds out that like his girlfriend has it, they just dump her in a gas station. It's like, see you later.
0: <laughs> right. I think, well, one of the things that's kind of interesting, I guess, in the world of science is everyone knows that certain things are debated, like the neural code. But actually, whether or not viruses are alive is still somewhat contentious. Wow. And so... They go in there at this one point and they just have all of this Clorox and they're going in there to kill the virus. So the language is always biased in favor of viruses actually being alive. right? But it's not clear that they really are. So um,
1: how would it work if they were dead or how would would you even categorize that? I mean, if they're able to spread like bacteria is alive, right? So wouldn't it? um, I don't know. I just can't picture how viruses wouldn't be alive. That's like shocking to me.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, They're sort of thought of as this gray area between living and not living because for life, some definitions of life, you need to have cells and you need to have a certain amount of autonomy to be able to generate your own metabolic needs for survival. And viruses are really more parasitic in that sense. Hmm. Actually, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting is that viruses actually comprise about Eight percent of the human genome, and they really do play a, a wow, a, really? A, yeah, they play a key role in, in evolution. It's quite, quite fascinating. I'm not a virologist, but I, I do find that that world of biology very interesting. Wow,
1: crazy! Well, today you're a virologist. Um, <laughs> the bleach was something I wrote down. Actually, is that effective? Should people be using that? Um, You know, I, I've been using just like more everyday cleaners. I don't know. I can't remember what the what the company is called. And I'm not going to give them a free shout out on this podcast. <laughs> However, that's what I've been using to like, you know, I know everybody's using um, your antibacterial uh, hand sanitizer. But yeah, in this movie, it's like all about bleach. They just take bleach with them everywhere and like coat things with bleach. So should people be doing that? Is that uh, the most effective thing to do? Is that dangerous?
0: Um, I imagine that bleach would be very, very effective, probably as much as a 70% ethanol solution, that would be my guess, but I haven't seen any studies comparing bleach with, with ethanol solutions. So I don't know, actually. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: What I yeah. thought was weird was everybody, like, I feel like, you know,
2: Pandemic, the, the show was released, like, what, a few months ago on Netflix, and then Carriers. Um, do you think that all of these movies that are released are to prepare society for things like COVID to happen?
1: Whoa, conspiracy.
2: Not even a conspiracy, but it's like, um, every, I don't know, like why else would they know all th- this stuff? I don't know. It just seems like they purposely put things out in the media to, to prepare people for when something really bad does go down.
0: I, I agree that there's a lot of scary media stuff out there, Because there, but was, I think there's
2: just well, there a certain bats in both pandemic and there were bat uh,
0: there were bats flying around at the beginning of carriers. That's true. Yep. I think there's just a certain probability of viruses jumping between species. Right. It's said that when the Europeans landed in the US, we brought all these viruses to the Americas. But the idea is that humans in Europe at the time had a lot more domesticated animals, and they were in a lot more close contact with animals than the people in the Americas. And that's why the infection mm. didn't go the other way around. That's why the Native Americans didn't infect the Europeans. Wow. But something that's actually kind of fascinating, I don't know, have you guys heard of convalescent plasma treatments? No. No. (laughs) So this is kind of interesting. So viruses can jump between species, but so can immunity. Mm. So a long time ago in the 1890s, roughly, um, diphtheria was a big problem in children. And uh, this one guy, von Baron, I guess, discovered that you could take animals that have recovered or convalesced and you could take their immunity and you could transfer it from the blood from one species to another. So this actually became a very popular treatment for a while. It would be a great drunk history episode, actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Why aren't you on that? Um, Are there, I mean, I assume we don't know of species that are immune to COVID-19 that we could steal their blood.
0: So actually, so Hmm. in some sense, humans that have already recovered or convalesced. COVID-19 patients could actually volunteer to donate their plasma to use it as a prophylactic measure or as a treatment if you catch it early enough. Wow. Especially in potentially populations that are you know, at risk. So elderly people or people with lung conditions.
1: If I understand you correctly, if someone you know has recovered from COVID-19 and you could do a vampire facial with them, <laughs> mm. and that way you would be cured? You would be immune?
0: Yeah. It's the vampire facial cure. <laughs> There's some
1: drawbacks though. And you look better.
0: <laughs> For everyone's record, if you Google facial. It
2: says a trendy skincare treatment that involves drawing blood from a client's body, placing it in the centrifuge, then reapplying it to the face to promote cell renewal.
1: I mean, it sounds healthy and legit, but also I don't I feel like I shouldn't mix up my blood. Like it's where it is for a reason. I maybe this is just a natural inclination or something. <laughs>
2: More microneedling, but more intense. I've gotten a microneedling hmm. treatment. I don't know okay. if Pamela, if you've ever gotten microneedling done, but it's a little bit similar, but it's just a more intense treatment. No, I've, I've actually never had any of these treatments. <laughs> well, right now I'm putting aside all my treatments because it's not important during a pandemic.
1: Yeah, but as part of the paperwork for this podcast, you guys did agree to do these treatments and (laughs) then report back. So unfortunately, you have to do it.
2: I have a question regarding like when we're since we're talking about species. Yeah, there was this scene in the movie where the younger brother went into the house and um, saw that the dog started eating the dead person. Mm -hmm. I was wondering... Like I have a multi poo and she like won't even eat an asparagus. Would a smaller dog eat me if I died? Or is it a, like a trait of a bigger animal? Because I like, she literally is so picky with her food that I doubt if I was rotting alive, that she'd start eating my wrist. Wow. <laughs> um, Do you think wow. about like, cannibal, like, dog, like how long it would take for this dog to start eating me? Because in that movie, it's, it looked like the dog was really enjoying his owner's
0: <laughs> flesh.
1: Yeah. That's true.
0: Definitely true. I don't know.
1: You haven't studied this, Pamela? You haven't sat in a lab and waited for a dog to eat a person?
0: (laughs) I'm just
2: looking at my dog all day just thinking, like, would you eat me if if this happened? Like, would you be that dog?
1: Yeah. You're looking at your boyfriend, like, would you leave me in a gas station? It
0: did (laughs) make me wonder, though, because during the movie, there's the dog scene, and then there's also some horses that appeared to be alive. Mm -hmm. And it made me wonder if the disease couldn't go from human to certain other mammals. But um, I think um, for COVID, for example, I think there was a tiger in New York that got the coronavirus. Right. Yes, I heard that.
1: But in general, it it doesn't seem to be affecting pets, right?
2: Yeah. I've seen mixed reviews on that. Like people were not taking their dog out because they said that you could have COVID on the dog. But then I, I
0: saw that debunked in other articles. So I have no idea.
1: Whoa, Pamela?
0: I'm not sure either. One of the things that I started to think about how do people name viruses? We have a specific naming convention for molecules like methane, propane, butane. But with viruses, sometimes the name seems to come from the species, like the swine flu. Right. And sometimes it seems to come from the location, like the West Nile virus. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this This coronavirus could have had a much different name. Like it could have been called the Wuhan Wuhan virus, for example. Right. Um, I think that would have been potentially very negative for xenophobia and other issues that could come up. When I first moved
2: to LA, I lived in Corona, California, and (laughs) none of my Corona friends seemed to care at all about the name. But there are probably no one really cares about Corona, California, either.
1: I did hear there was a huge dip in sales for the beer.
0: Yes, I heard that. Oh, that's yeah, terrible.
1: That's fun. It's okay. gluten free. <laughs> oh, okay. So now we have some promotion for Corona. Guys, well, yeah. go out there and have a it's Corona. 30, okay, it's not their fault.
0: <laughs> less than 30 parts per million if anyone has celiac disease. So.
1: Wow. Okay, great. Multiple reasons to drink Corona here today.
0: I didn't know that. That's
1: Yeah. I'm a Guinness man myself, but I also don't really drink. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go back to the show about science. There's a part where the kids are pretty close to death and then the doctor says that he gives them potassium, which I guess is going to kill them, like a bunch of potassium. Is that accurate or did that not make sense?
0: So that kind of flagged in my brain that euthanasia scene because... Low levels of potassium um, should just essentially pass through you because your gut is smart and it's not going to absorb ions that it doesn't need. But um, I did look it up and at higher, there are some cases of people drinking very high concentrations of potassium and it is lethal. So,
1: wow. Yep, really?
0: It could be accurate. Hmm. How
1: how high are we talking about? Like like five bananas? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, that's funny. There was one case study with five grams. So
1: yeah. five grams. How <laughs> many
0: bananas <I wasn't laughs> you guys had during the Corona, the COVID lockdown?
1: So many bananas.
0: Really,
2: telling the truth?
1: Yeah, yeah. I love bananas. I probably eat one a day.
2: Wow. Huh.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I bought five, and they all went stale.
1: Oh wow. No, I'm always crunching away on bananas, even I though they don't crunch.
2: I There's people the, that can't get food right now. I shouldn't be like, yeah, I just like bought a bunch of bananas and they just like rotted away.
1: I'm sure that's happening to every pretty much everybody though. It's like you, you buy food thinking like, I need this in bulk and then there's no way you can eat all of it.
2: Well, speaking of that, Pamela, do you think that uh, yesterday my boyfriend woke me up in a huge panic and was saying that he's just so upset for the world and he feels like everyone's going to start to starve and die. Do you... Th- but like my other friend just got McDonald's delivered to her house. So I'm seeing a lot of conflicting information here. Do you think that there's going to be a shortage of food or do you think this is
0: gonna flatten the curve? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So um, this week there's a group in London at University College London, and they do these really exciting uh, dynamic causal models. And their models essentially showed that um, one of the goals of the paper was to determine at what point do we have this herd immunity that people talk about. Mm -hmm. And it looks like at about 15 weeks Mm -hmm. past the start of um, the infection is when we have herd immunity high enough so that the mortality drops to kind of baseline seasonal flu. So essentially three weeks after the mortality starts to dip is when Mm -hmm. We can start to resume there was articles articles
2: today about sweden and their herd immunity i saw some conflicting articles as well about that some were saying that they've succeeded in preventing the virus by doing the herd immunity and then others said their death rate was seven percent compared to the three percent so i saw there's just so much information online it's like hard to know what to believe yeah
0: i agree it's very hard there's a lot of different data out there and um there's a lot of unknowns. And I think that the unknown aspect of so many parts of this disease make it very much associated with the anxiety that people are having. So
1: yeah, um, do you have any tips, maybe, maybe each of you for like, not freaking out every time? Because I think that's also probably the (laughs) most common thing, right? Like people are just freaking out in general because they're quarantined. But then if you have a dry throat, or, you know, a headache or something, you know, what do you what do you guys do to combat that? Like? you know, a uh, dark hole or, or, you know, like that well of thinking like, okay, I'm screwed. I'm sick.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure I've, I've already had coronavirus. Yeah. I've been sick for the past few weeks. So,
1: wow. <laughs> I'm glad you're through it. Um,
0: But there was some anxiety at the beginning because I didn't know how bad it would get. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in, you know, the younger bracket where it's most likely not going to be fatal, but at the same time, who wants to be on a ventilator it just sounded really scary. And yeah i um, glad to be on the mend. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think you had it? What were your symptoms? Um, fever, cough. I had this strange kind of burning in my chest, which a lot of people have described. Yeah. Um, my brother's a radiologist and he works at Stanford. He's read a ton of chest x-rays. And one of the interesting things, he sent me this one patient, um, who basically got a chest x-ray almost every day for about 10 days. And what's interesting about the disease is it seems to kind of wax and wane. So even if you're not a radiologist, if you look at these x-rays, you can see that there's these moments when the lungs are very opaque. And then there's these moments when it seems to clear. So it's hmm. it seems to kind of wax and wane in this interesting way.
1: Man. And Emily, you said you had it too? you think
0: back I worked the CES conference back in January
2: I was um, and that every year I I should I should just stop working that because every year I catch something and it's never worth me going I usually MC at CES it's a consumer electronics show in Vegas and 3 days after the show concluded I was supposed to drive home from Las Vegas to LA and I got so sick that I was bedridden I had a weird rash. I couldn't stop coughing. I had a really high fever. So I had my boyfriend had to drive all the way from LA to pick me up. And it lasted about three weeks. And I was on three different courses of antibiotics. And they just kept saying it was a chest infection and they didn't know what. But then I ended up infecting him, his roommate and my cousin. So I feel like we all and my, uh, and his roommate had a fever of 103 the first day of being infected. Damn. So I feel like we might've all had it in early January and just didn't know what was going on. And I remember I was posting like a bunch of Instagram stories and people were messaging me that they were dealing with the same symptoms and were getting the same answers from the doctors. So it's likely that we did already have, have it possibly.
1: Wow. Yeah. I have, um, similar story. I won't get into it because, uh, who cares about me? But in early March, I, I've kind of had a similar thing where I was just like, I had a weird chest to pain and like, I never felt it before. I went to the hospital, had an x-rayed, mm-hmm. they told me it could be pneumonia, but it's probably not, gave me antibiotics. And luckily, yeah, after like maybe two weeks, three weeks. Uh, I was I was feeling back to normal. So so hopefully, yeah, we all avoided it. Um, I do have for you some because I, (laughs) I was writing questions this morning. And I don't know how much of the news you guys ingest. I I try to do like half hour a day and then like cut it off so that I'm not overwhelmed and freaking out. But these protests right now are just like driving me absolutely bonkers. Um, There was one like, I think in uh, Pennsylvania, where a bunch of it's like, for some reason, it's tying into like, gun groups and like gun advocates Mm -hmm. and the president is tweeting to liberate states liberate michigan liberate virginia so can we at least
2: caps lock too like he's really stressing that we should liberate
1: yeah so uh pamela can you just in case these people are thinking that their rights are being interfered with can you just um set people straight as far as like please stay at home and like follow the cdc's guidelines
0: yes i completely agree um so this this paper I was talking about earlier that has a very um, sophisticated mathematical model. Um, Not perfect, but really, really amazing. Um, Really showed how social distancing is incredibly important for not just flattening the curve, but buying the time for herd immunity to just sort of happen on its own. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the other things that I I thought is super fascinating is um, a lot of people think that um, there's there's quite a few papers and some evidence to show that the spanish flu actually never went away it just evolved into something much um less virulent so a lot of people think oh viruses the goal is to kill the host as quick as possible but if it did that it would never be a successful virus right viruses want to replicate and move to the next host so it's possible that as the coronavirus tends to evolve on its own, it may actually turn into a much more gentle disease as well. That
1: makes sense. I've
0: been seeing all these Facebook statuses of people. Like today I saw a status, would you
2: even know about the coronavirus if it wasn't for the news and the CDC pushing it down our throats? And like everyone was like, no. (laughs) And I'm just like, ah, man, they're all saying Uh, it's all just propaganda. And like you said earlier, conspiracy theories, my family is filled with them. So every morning I'm waking up to a new family members sending me something outrageous. So it's like, I don't even know what to believe. So it's nice to have Pamela here, someone that's educated in a science background to kind of like, give me something that's not on a Reddit thread.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think we would know about it. I actually, so I can appreciate that, that debate. Would we know about it if we didn't have this connectivity that we have today and this amazing infrastructure called the internet. I I talked about this with some of my other neuroscientist friends at UCLA and we all agreed that we would know about it because it's a very severe disease. And back during the Spanish flu, everybody knew about the Spanish flu and they started to implement social distancing measures back in 1918 as well. So
1: yeah, we're just somehow less intelligent than we were like a hundred years ago. I don't know how that works. I
0: mean, let's,
2: Pamela's has her brother's a radiologist my brother is a flat earther
1: (laughs) (laughs) we got to get both of them on the podcast together that would be excellent also where should we move and raise our families because and I don't want to sound anti-america anti-patriotic I've spent my whole life here I love it but clearly we have screwed this up so badly And I just think like, okay, well, what what do you guys think? Where should we go? Like Iceland is apparently doing a great job and it's like gorgeous over there. So is that the move? Do we just start over our In lives Bjork? somewhere yeah, else?
0: Bjork lives
2: there.
1: Yeah, I love Bjork. Yeah, same. <laughs> I love Bjork too. I mean, neighbors with Bjork and they get healthcare right.
2: Iceland's so like not Hollywood that my friend, who's a major Bjork fan, thought it was smart to go and knock on her door to tell her that and she had like no security and opened the door and was like, Can you not be on my property? But thank you. I'm glad you like my music and shut the door.
1: I mean, still pretty cool. Pretty ballsy I mean, of uh
2: There's no they don't your have friend. Like gates up like in LA, how you can't really have you You know, there's no gated communities apparently over there. So if you want to stop Bjork, I think it's the move.
1: I, I want to plan it so that it's like a random encounter, you know, like we both happen to be <laughs> shopping for the same baked goods. And I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Aren't you Bjork?
2: Yeah, definitely. The I don't know what my friend was doing, but she was 21 at the time. So we forgive her.
1: Yeah, yeah. All is forgiven. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me. I have other, I mean, I, I was writing some questions in a rage. So I'm trying not to... Uh, Because a lot of states are reopening now, it seems like, I guess, at the end of the month. Um, We're recording this towards the end here of April. Uh, And I guess if you're listening in that state, you know, don't take it from me. Uh, I'll have Pamela tell you because I'm sure she's on the same page. But, like, just because your state legislators are saying you can go out and you can go to bars, etc., that is a really... Bad idea. Yeah, is, that, is that correct? Opening
2: up hair salons, like dye your hair at home, people. Yeah, I just dyed mine. It looks better than the salon, and it's a tenth of the cost, and I'm not infecting
0: anyone. I don't know the exact day that it's safe to reopen. I think it's a little bit too soon right now. I think I would give it another couple of weeks until we start to see the dip start, and then from the, that point, wait about two to three weeks, and and then you can start resuming normal activity. I would say if you do go out, definitely try and keep the social distancing.
1: Doesn't it make sense that we should wait, like we should be the last? I feel like we have it the worst and we've done the worst job at it. So wouldn't, I don't know. I mean, for me, just logically, it seems like let's just wait for other countries to figure it out and see how it goes for them. And then we can reopen.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's something interesting to think about. I think circling back to what we were saying about Flat earthers versus <laughs> technology, sometimes- Radiologists. Yeah, sometimes I'm completely amazed by human technology and what humans have achieved. We're getting you know, close to self-driving cars. And then on the other hand, you see in the news outlets, I saw a um, Twitter post from the Portland Police Department saying, please do not call 911. If you are out of toilet paper <laughs> which suggests that more than more than two humans called the portland police department and asked for toilet paper God, so.
1: wow. i'm not shocked at that at all
0: really i'd expect that from like a dakota but
2: not from portland
1: people are crazy everywhere i think that's what we've learned through this pandemic
2: realistically pamela and Ethan, how long do you think we're going to be on lockdown for
1: yeah let's take bets actually
0: may 15th
1: wow you think Okay, so you're saying May 15th, all states will will end the restrictions?
0: No, I, I think it'll vary by state, but I think that by May 15th, the majority will be back. Wow. Back to normal.
1: I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to be a little bit more pessimistic. I'm going to say like June 1st, I think most or all states will have like way lesser restrictions, but it'll be like July 1st. When I come out of the apartment. <laughs> I
2: mean, my friend's wedding was canceled. It was scheduled for May 31st. And that was in New York State, upstate New York. So I'm thinking June 1st, maybe June 15th.
1: Okay. So we have May 15th, June 1st, and June 15th. And the winner gets a vampire facial? Sure. <laughs> okay. Great. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on before we leave here is the three rules. Chris Pine sets three rules in this movie. The first is avoid the infected at all costs. Their breath is highly contagious. So that, for all intents and purposes, checks out, right? I mean, COVID-19 wise?
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. It's unclear to me if it's the breath or if it really needs to be more Droplets of a cough. I heard it was droplets. My nurse friend said it's droplets.
1: Okay. I think it's droplets.
0: droplets
1: Maybe the more um, normal language for people to understand would be breath. But yeah, that, I think it, overall, rule one, checks out. The movie is solid. Number two, disinfect anything they touch in the last 24 hours. Checks out.
0: I, well, actually, so this is interesting. I saw um, one news article that supposedly suggested that multiple weeks after the Diamond Princess had been evacuated, they found living coronavirus. Oh, no. And the last time I traveled was March 22nd. I couldn't believe that my visit to this Laureate Brain Institute wasn't canceled. But um, <laughs> the couple in front of me in security had just gotten off the Diamond Princess. Whoa. I can't imagine that experience. Oh,
1: okay. Um, let's get their information and get them on the program. Um that's fascinating. And the the third rule is the sick or already dead, they can't be saved. And I think this one is probably where reality splits with the movie.
2: Yeah, because it's not really the case. A lot of people are recovering.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So you don't have to um, abandon them in a gas station or or shoot them through a car windshield. <laughs> Although I, I got to say, I was pretty happy when one of those ladies shot Chris Pine in the leg. Totally pretty cool um okay thank you guys so much for coming on the show emily obviously people should subscribe to your podcast emily knows everything but where else can people find you
2: uh find me on instagram that's pretty much where i post the most so say the pandemic is going or say the lockdown's happening until june 15th my guess i host (laughs) weekly roast battles on my instagram live every wednesday and then we do karaoke quarantines saturdays wow and we are starting and Instagram quarantine bachelorette series next week. So cool! if you're bored, come check it out on Emily Knows Everything Instagram.
1: Great. Okay. That sounds super fun. Uh, and Dr. Pamela Douglas, um, I assume once classes are open, they should take your class. But until then, anything you want to tell people about?
0: Uh, sure. I'm on Twitter, PKDouglas16. And I have an article that's, Coming out soon, which is using a predictive model to try and integrate disease genotype spread um, of the coronavirus with wow. um, organizing a force of people to volunteer to donate their blood if they are a recovered uh, coronavirus patient. So, yeah.
1: wow, awesome! Well, I'll definitely want but, to keep uh, updated on that.
0: This just in. Two cats in New York
2: test positive for coronavirus?
1: Oh, no. Oh, no.
2: So there you have it. Cats can be That's
1: terrible news. No one is coming over my house ever, just in case.
2: You're from upstate New York?
1: I'm in Los Angeles, but okay. I'm, I, thought I, I, love, I love my cats. Protected cats. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I had an absolute blast talking to you both. And uh, I hope that you continue to be healthy and safe um, and your loved ones as well and uh yeah talk to you next time
0: thank you so much thanks so much
1: bad science is hosted and produced by me ethan edinburgh our associate producer is emily feld our engineer is jeremy schmidt bad science is edited by lucas bollinger and our social media is managed by blue whale media shout out to ej and kate and our executive producer is chris pine he's the latest addition to our team it's wait a minute (laughs) <laughs> this is somebody's pranking me. Okay. No, it's Brett Kushner. It's always been Brett Kushner. It'll always be Brett Kushner. Our executive producer Brett Kushner. Follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadScienceSecret.com and please leave us an iTunes review. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Bye.